0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel Podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel Podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk.
1: Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34 says this Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate uh, the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
2: Man walks into a bar with a newt on his arm, and he says to the barman, I'd like a pint of beer for me, and I'd like an orange juice for Tiny. The barman says, "Why do you call him Tiny?" He goes, "It's minute." <laughs> oh. Bad jokes are everywhere, aren't they? This morning. So uh, it's good to be back from West Point. Didn't West Point band? Didn't the band here serve us wonderfully well? It was an amazing experience and a joy to see everyone. Uh, having such a great time. It's good to drive up from Bournemouth today to be here. And don't, don't you thank God these days for sat-navs. Um, <laughs> an amazing invention. I mean, it seems a n- long time ago I was with my wife trying to find a party in a new town and she's got a map next to me and she's going left, right, left, I'm lost. Uh, and what do you mean you're lost, we're lost? Uh, <laughs> That those moments of, oh no, how do you get your way out of here? You know, you don't leave breadcrumbs behind you. How do you get back out of and find where you came from? Today we have sat navs. And don't you thank God for sat navs? No, you don't. They're annoying things, aren't they? You always, when you just about to get to the place that you have put in your coordinates for, they suddenly looking for satellite. <laughs> looking for satellite. I mean, you go up there. I can tell you where it, it, it's somewhere above our heads. You know, what do you mean, looking for satellite? Drives you mad using these modern technologies. But actually, they are pretty good. You put in your postcode, and by and large, you normally end up at the destination that you hope you are going to get to. Now, when it comes to life, life can be lived in a way that all of us are seeking for life, seeking for happiness, seeking for meaning in our lives, and, and we can drive around, we can go from street to street, from relationship to relationship, job to job, hoping that we're going to find meaning, hoping that we're going to find significance, hoping we're going to find joy and peace and life. And the truth of the matter is, when you come into a church like this, that the person who's leading from the front will tell you that actually that life can only be found in Jesus Christ, as Esther said this morning. Actually, if you want to know what the coordinates for your sat nav in your life is, how are you going to live the rest of your life from this moment forward? I can tell you that J-E-S-U-S is the only way. It's the only way. You'll spend the rest of your life going from street to street, from dead end to dead end, unless you find Christ. Because when you come to Christ, you find actually a relationship with the living God. You find why you were created, why God has ordered your days. There is purpose and knowledge and peace and joy in knowing God. If you're not a Christian here this morning... Our our invitation, our loving invitation, you couldn't have done better with these two lovely ladies explaining it. But come on, Alpha. Alpha is an absolute hoot. It really is. I mean, it's a hoot just hearing what people believe. I can remember sitting next to a hairdresser in one of the Alpha courses I went to, and he goes, Yeah, do you know what I believe? I believe it was all done by Martians. I mean, I honestly thought he was a Martian, this guy. I mean, he was like so full of aliens have come to earth, they've done the pyramid. He had every theory going. It was like, ooh, this guy is something else. And we had this wonderful table discussion. And I just say, if you're not a Christian here this morning, come along to Alpha. Look at the big questions of life. Look at the Bible and see if it makes sense. There's no pressure. It's fun. It's food. It's a great time. But I want to say this to everybody else who's found Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning. You may understand justification by faith. You may understand atonement. And you might understand what Christ has achieved through the cross in terms of your eternal life and your eternal significance to a loving God. And you may have said, I've believed, guy. I've trusted in Jesus Christ. I've made that commitment and now I'm a Christian. But faith in Christ is not ever alone although it saves you and faith in Christ alone is the, the means of salvation that faith is never alone god saves us and puts us in a journey in a in a in a life of purpose that is preparing us for a new eternity if you read if if you turn your bibles to ephesians i love the way paul writes in ephesians chapter 2 he says it's this. He says, how do you get saved? How do you get a relationship with God? For it is, verse uh, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, through trusting in Christ's death upon a cross, His wonderful, glorious resurrection, you can be saved. You can be forgiven your sin. You can have an eternal relationship with the living God. This isn't from yourselves. It's a gift of God. You don't have to do anything this morning other than trust In what God has provided, not by works, so that no one in heaven on that final day can boast in what they have achieved. For, he goes on to say, we are God's handiwork or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So, this is the important thing for every believer this morning. We're not only wonderfully saved by the gospel through Christ's finished work. But God has eternally prepared work for you and I to do. We're not created to sit around. I think there's two great errors. We're we're looking at rest today, but there's two great errors Christians can fall into. One is laziness. One is a mindset that says work is not that important to God. That actually one day we're going to be on a cloud. We're going to be playing a harp and we're going to be floating around. No, we're not. Work is godly, created by God. And when we, (laughs) this might be bad news for some of you, when we actually finally are resurrected and put on a new heaven and new earth, we will be working. (laughs) You're not sitting around playing a guitar. We're working because work is good. It was created by God for our good. So whatever your work, whatever you find your hand to do today, to work, it's pleasing to God. Do it for God. Work for God. Don't get lazy. But we're looking at the other side of the coin today, which is rest. As Howard wonderfully explained last week, the six days God worked and on the seventh day he rested. He didn't need a break. He wasn't tired. He didn't think, Phew, give me a break. I'm absolutely worn out. No, he, he created a Sabbath break in order for us to understand the rhythm of God. that This is a way of us to live and to flourish and to enjoy our life. Six days you work, one day you rest. Now we are challenged with that concept. I grew up in a family, non-Christian family, where you did not stop. You, you, you had to be busy. Look, I can remember being on holiday and reading a book. And my mum coming in and saying, what, what, what are you doing? Uh, reading a book? We didn't bring you on holiday to read a book. Get busy. Come on. Get up. Do something. And, and then I became a Christian. And the motto of the church I seem to have kind of got, got saved into is, look busy because Jesus is coming back again. And sort of live my Christian life thinking, well, I must be doing something. got to be looking busy because Jesus could just about to return. I've got to make sure I'm doing something. I'm witnessing. No, I'm going to church. I'm doing this stuff. And we live in a busy world. A very, very busy world. You come to London and you think, oh, no, I thought Bournemouth was busy. Bournemouth is backward compared to London. I mean, you cannot... Walk in London, can you? Can you can you can you walk in London? I mean, just going on the tube, it's like you're walking this pace and then everybody's going past you and you suddenly find yourself going down, keep on the left hand side, keep on the right hand side. You're moving faster. I and mean, there's a train every three minutes, but hey, there's a train, there's a train, and you're running down the escalator to jump on a train, even if you could wait for another three minutes and no one come along. Whew. You're exhausted at the end of a day in London, aren't you? Well, the Word of God says, be still and know that I am God. And this morning's text or title of the sermon is Still Knowing. How can we be still? What do we need to know? And I want to suggest to you, it's all about looking. Having a wise perspective on eternity. If you're going to enter into God's rest, which I pray and believe we can all enter into, we need to know how to see clearly. We need to understand some things from the way Jesus taught and other scriptures as well, in order for us to get a real godly perspective on our lives. And I'm praying, we're going to go to a ministry time, and I'm praying that many people here this morning can come into a place where, oh, I can put it, hand it over to God. I can rediscover a rhythm of living which is going to be pleasing to God. Because I tell you what, I bet you most people in this room are exhausted. Because the world wears you down and wears you out. So it's really important this morning. We were going to do five looks. But it beautifully covered the looking back why God created Sabbath last week. And if you didn't weren't here, I'd, I'd really encourage you to get hold of that. So I'm just going to look at four looks, which again, turn in your Bible to the text we, that Tyson wonderfully read for us in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to look at four things that I think, if we're going to enter into rest, we need to have these four perspectives, four looks. And the first one is this, we need to look behind. In Matthew 6, Jesus Says this the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The first thing you need to understand, then, in terms of rest, is you need to understand there is the kingdom of God. That just a few verses earlier, Jesus says, Pray this thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God's will is every believer enters into rest. But Jesus in that prayer says, and deliver us from the evil one, because there is another kingdom, the kingdom of this world. There is a kingdom of darkness, that actually if that darkness invades our life, how great is that darkness for people who say they can see and be in the light and yet actually live in darkness. So you need to understand, even as I'm speaking this morning, that your life is a battlefield. The Christian life isn't like a battle. It is a battle. And the enemy wants you to be worn out and to be depressed and just tired all your life. And God wants you to enter into a beautiful day of rest and enjoyment of Him. And so there's these two kingdoms at war. So important you see this, you don't think, well, it's just, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, maybe I'm going to get a day off. No, this is, this is spiritual warfare we're talking about this morning. I want you to imagine for a second that the devil has a meeting with his senior demons. They're all nervous. They're nervous because, well, the church is on fire. The church is praying. The church is advancing. People are being saved. There's, there's all kinds of good things going on in the church. People are, are just finding Christ. And there's no power that Satan and his demons can put against the church. Nothing can withstand this. So, so, so Satan's getting together and so we look, demons, this, we, we, need a, we need a little bit of a conference here. We know that there's two weapons that can stop the church. One of them is death, kill them kill Christians, behead Christians, crucify Christians, put them to death, because that makes them a bit fearful. But that doesn't seem to be working too well. So let me tell you, demons, the other way in which we'll defeat the church, the other way in which we can defeat the church, particularly in the West, is distraction. So I want you demons, says Satan, to go away and come back, take what the humans use as good, and come back with suggestions of how those good things can be used to our ends. Distract them from worshipping God and looking at God. A week later, they're back in the room. First demon speaks up. Internet. Really powerful. I've thought of this scheme we can have pop ups and passwords, that'll keep them busy. They'll forget their passwords. They'll be hitting hours and hours trying to remember their passwords, writing it down, and pop-ups, pop-ups. They'll see a picture of a cake, picture of a half-clothed woman. They, they, they'll be pressing it, and then we can have other pop-ups and other pop-ups and other pop-ups. They'll be spending hours. And then they want to try and clear their search history. We can have hours and hours and hours of fun with these guys. What about you, demon? Number two, well, I'll tell you what, labor-saving devices. Labor-saving devices, what is that? How's that going to help? Surely that's going to give them more time to prep. No, 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 no. Give them labor-saving devices, and they'll be endlessly. sort of Give them a pencil, electronic pencil sharpener, Give them a coffee grinding machine. Make their own coffee. Give them a washing machine that does this, that, and the other, an ironing board, an iron. They will be filling, filling their days. Instead of one thing, they'll be doing a hundred things. They'll work even harder. They'll be so busy with their labor say, and make sure they've all got insurances and guarantees and they haven't got a plug. We'll fill their day no end of times. Mobile phones, says the third. That's a great idea. What do you mean by mobile phone? Well, mobile phones, want to put everything on a mobile phone. First of all, we want to make sure the pings and the bings and the deeds and the boops, they start to depend on them. Every time it goes ping, they're going to feel good. Every time it doesn't go ping, they're going to be depressed. Bing, ah, they're happy. Boom. Nothing. Actually get them, put everything on there, put, put their c- contacts there, how to get to work, put the menus, put everything, their football scores, put everything. So it's pinging all the day. So all day long they're, ping, ping, ping. They're going to be distracted. Make sure, says this demon, they can't go anywhere without walking with a mobile phone. They'll never think about praying because they're watching, watching, watching this thing. Social media, says the fifth. They love to look at their neighbours, these humans. What better way of looking at their neighbours than doing social media? They'll find out that so-and-so's got a new car and they'll be really unhappy about that. They've got a job well and never seen such a nice hairdo. And look at their picture of their marriage and, and spend their hours flicking through pages after pages of everybody's what everybody's doing. And how come there's a party there and I wasn't invited? They will fill their hours doing this stuff. And Satan says, demons go to it. And here we are in the midst of a battle today where we're living with these things. And if you say to me, not me, I'll tell you what, every one of us. I can remember being on Twitter. I think I'll tweet a nice Bible verse and something I'm doing. One like in a day. Andrew Wilson's put, a rubbish verse and a rubbish comment, 500 likes, 70 retweets. You can lose your peace so easily. Used to not know what everybody else was doing, now we know what everybody's doing. We are addicted to our gadgets and our electronics and our social media. I'm not surprised we have huge, growing mental health issues. Because what this does is take a good thing, so don't mishear this, your phone isn't a bad thing, your whatever labor-saving device isn't a bad thing, but you take what is a good thing and you make it an ultimate thing. You make it a thing which starts to control your life rather than actually spending time with God, who's got a better plan for your life. Ask yourself this if you're getting really hot under the collar with me. Ask yourself this. As a believer, we're meant to be abiding. We're meant to be in prayer. We're meant to be communing with an eternal God who's given us his Holy Spirit within us. Are we referencing him as much as we are referencing our phone? Are we that dependent? Every time he says, ping, are we saying, yes? What is it? I'm tuning in to the voice of God. You know, Jesus did most of his miracles on the Sabbath. It caused religious people a bit of a headache. Why did he do most of his miracles on a Sabbath? Because Sabbath is a day for healing. We don't have a ministry team and a ministry time because, well, we've always done it. We have a ministry team and a ministry time because we want Jesus to go to work to heal. And today is the day when I want to say to you, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, all you who are heavy laden, come to Jesus, not come to a ministry team, come to Jesus and you'll find rest. Rest for your soul. God wants you to enter into rest. People here today are so busy, so tired, so worn out, so dis- distraught and negative about, well, everybody else seems to be in, nobody seems to like me. And Come to Jesus and allow him to speak into your life this morning. So, look within is the second look. Jesus says, No one, in verse 24, can serve two masters. You will either hate one or love the other. You'd be devoted to the one and despise the other. And if ever you ever thought of Christianity as being very non practical, Jesus gets so practical. He starts talking about uh, treasures, he starts talking about. What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. He talks about worrying, adding a single hour to our life. He's basically saying, in our language, you need to get off the hamster wheel. Look within. Here's the challenge for you today Are you a hamster on a wheel? Think about these things that Jesus says. Think about a hamster. Think about the body. He said, you know, the body. Your body is more than what you wear. Your body. Think of the passionate way we worry about the body. Think about that little hamster wheel. Hey, I've got to to keep fit. I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to look good. I've got to, I've got to make sure. I've got to lose a few pounds. I've got to make sure my gray hair is not quite so great. Must, must not. And everybody else is keeping fit, keeping fit. I need to keep fit. Everyone's got a six-pack. I haven't got a six-pack. Everyone's got a tan. I need to go to a tanning salon. I need to keep up. I need to keep up. I'm a hamster on the wheel. And every time I think I'm getting there, there's something else that tells me I'm not going faster. Faster, faster, faster. And and, and, and Food. Food, you need food. You need to go shopping, 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 and nectar points, nectar points, nectar points. I'm going fast, I'm going fast. No, Aldi's doing a, oh, I need to get Aldi. I need to do this. Actually, I'm putting on weight. I need to lose weight. No, I'm too thin, I need to put on weight. Oh, I can run, 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 the drink. What you, your body is more what you drink. How much are we drinking? I can't keep on that, Hamster, because I'm actually exhausted. <laughs> your clothing. Did you know there's a sale down there? Do you know Jimmy Shoes has got this thing and that thing? Oh, we watched The Times and they've got nice shoes and we've got to get that. We, on the hamster wheel, again, what we wear. We live enslaved to these endless passions, says Jesus, and they can never, ever satisfy. They just keep us tired, keep us wearing ourselves out. And Jesus says, Your Heavenly Father knows you need them. doesn't say they're bad. You ladies who want to go shopping and buy yourself a new dress, new shoes, that's great. God doesn't say, oh no, that's bad, that's worldly, that's unspiritual. That's fine. But it's not why you're living. You can be healthy. It's a good thing to be healthy. It's good to look after your body. It's good to take rest. It's good to run. It's good to do these things. But it's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is your Heavenly Father knows all about your life. So I want to say this. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, why we need a wise perspective on eternity is this reason. 1 Corinthians 3, let me just... It says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, No one can lay any foundation other than that one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and that fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up... The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. We need this perspective, brothers and sisters, in our busyness. We can be busy doing all the wrong things instead of being busy doing the right things for God. What we do for God, can I say this? You need to understand this. You can go out of here this morning and you can offer a glass of water to a poor person on the streets of Victoria. And that has eternal significance, eternal, eternal reward. God never forgets any act of kindness, looking after a disabled person. Kindness and moved by faith and the love of Jesus Christ. They are eternally significant. But climbing over other people, putting other people down, having the biggest, the best, the most famous, the most number of tweets, whatever it might be that we ascribe to, those things will be put in a fire and whoosh, they'll be gone. No one will ever remember that you drove an Aston Martin. No one will ever remember that you were the cleverest person at Oxford University. No, Those things are not important in the light of that eternal day. And God says, rest is given by God for eternal purpose and eternal significance. It's a gift, and are we enjoying it? Look within. Have you got a day's rest, a day of worship, a day which is Sabbath? Because then we need to look without. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Looking without, it says... Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. Look at the flowers of the field. In other words, brothers and sisters, if we're to do what God says in terms of rest, we need to understand there's a spiritual battle. We need to look within and say, actually, we're on a hamster wheel. We also need to look without. And we need to really be challenged by this. Go out now, after the meal, your meatballs, and check out... Birds, not birds in terms of girls, birds in terms of feathers. And check the pigeons out. Go and check the pigeons. Ask them where their bank balance is. Go and speak to a sparrow and say, how's your savings? Where's your barn? How are you going to get through the winter? Go and look at the... Wildlife in St. James's Park. Look at this squirrel. Watch his little running around, his little burrowing, everything. It's all taken care of. Every day, God provides. We look at all the berries, the blackberries, and the hips on the bushes. God richly provides. So we don't have to to work seven days a week. Because if we don't work seven days a week, we're not going to have a pension. We're not going to have food on the table. No, we can work six days a week knowing on that seventh day, God is committed to providing everything for his children. He is a good, good father. You may not have a job at the moment. You may be going through difficulty at the moment. But you need to know this. He is a good, good father he's given everything for you and i to flourish in this life and he wants us to draw into him and and to have eyes that look out and say wow how do you how do you live like a sparrow how do you live like a starling or a fox or a squirrel how do you live like that because God, the creator God, withholds all of those. Not one sparrow in London falls to the ground without God knowing about it. And yet your hairs on your head are numbered by him. He is that committed. He is that involved in your good and your welfare. That's why we need to enter into rest because if we don't have that perspective, we'll never ever enter into rest. We'll always be worrying. Even when we're trying to take a day off, we'll be worrying, thinking what happens tomorrow. No, God has it all in control. And I love this practicality. Sometimes meet Christians who get a bit legalistic about worry. Don't worry. You're worrying? You're not a Christian, really. If you're worrying, it says don't worry in the Bible. No, Jesus says about worrying, don't worry about tomorrow. That's what's sinful. He says today has got enough worries of its own. So there are things we've got to do today and we've got to get that person, pick that person up, get that shopping, whatever it might be. There are things and concerns that might burden us today. What he doesn't want us to do is to worry about tomorrow or worry about the future because God has it all in hand. Be still and know that I am God. So practically, let me just say one thing. Of this sieve in terms of a Sabbath, do you have a day set apart to rest? Do you have a day set apart to worship? Do you have a day set apart to rest? Is there a day where you are doing nothing? You feel happy to have another nap, to enjoy reading a book, to enjoy time with your family? To, Push aside all your electronics where there's just nobody interrupting and you've got time to come and worship, come and pray, come and meet with brothers and sisters in church. Have you got a day like that? Free from all the tyranny of the urgent and just giving it, devoting it to God. I believe we need to find that in our modern world. We need to say no to our shopping, our DIY, our keep fits, our cleaning houses, our electronics, none of which are bad in themselves, but all of them which can us away from spending quality time with our Father in heaven. And so finally we need to look up. Seek first, it says in verse 33, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness means is shorthand for the will of God. The will of God, hear this, the will of God for you and for me is a Sabbath day rest every week. We are so proud in our nation of our ulcers. We're so proud of our busyness. I'll tell you what, do you know how many hours I work a week? I work 90 hours a week. I work 100 hours a week. We, we, we think there's a competition on. and We think we've got to keep ahead of everybody else. I'll tell you what, and if someone says, do you know what, I have a day off a week, we all go, wow, lazy. You're lazy. Can't post- I can't possibly take a day off. Yes, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Because the righteousness of God, the will of God is that every one of us Finds day. Now, I'm not talking about doctors. I see a doctor, you know. I know that sometimes you have to work seven days, ten days out, what have you. God bless everyone who has to do that. We don't get legalistic about it, but you have got to get back into the rhythm of rest. Otherwise, you just wear ourselves out, and we're no good to God. So look up. Seek first the kingdom of God. The Sabbath is a gift. It was made for man. God gave a... A precious gift to us and it's a day off it's a holy day and it's a holiday it's a day for God and it's a day to rest and God says hey you you humans this is what you need I've I've made it for you I've, I've wrapped it up nice so you understand it I'm, I'm going to give it to you please don't discard it and put it somewhere for one day don't Use it today. Unwrap it today. Say today before your Father in heaven, thank you for this precious gift. Today, I'm going to receive that gift and I'm going to take all my burdens and all my busyness and all my endless frustrations with this life and I'm going to hand it over and I'm going to surrender to your perfect, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are two ages in the Bible. The one that is marked by our life living today and the age which is yet to come. The age which we're living in is full of busyness and sin and injustice and warfare and all kinds of things. We've got to live in this messed up world. But there's an age to come, a new heaven and new earth. And God wants our lives to be live, getting ourselves ready for that day. And for that day to be fully realized and to be lived in the good of today... We need to come into God's perfect will, which is six days we work, and on the seventh day we rest. So let me conclude. The doctor's surgery is now open. We're going for worship, and we're going to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. I'm calling, really, every hamster in the room. Everyone who's on that wheel, I'm saying to you, get off, please. By the grace of God, there's grace for you to provide for you. I'm calling everybody who's come in here burdened. I'm not sure if I've got a job tomorrow. I'm not sure if, I've, if my contract will be extended. I'm not sure if I've got a roof over my head at the end of the month. Come and receive prayer and encouragement from your Father in heaven. Those of you who are saying, I'm worried about my pension. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about this. Come. Come. There's an invitation. Come. All who are weary, all those who are heavy, come, 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 says your Father in heaven, and enter into my blessing, enter into my rest this morning, because I'm committed for your good. I'm committed for tomorrow. I'm going ahead of you tomorrow, and I'll be there for you tomorrow. Today, you have only one responsibility, to listen to my voice and to seek first my righteousness. So why don't we just stand Lord Jesus, we we all of us hear a message like this and we're all of us are challenged because we live in this world which is so busy, so many demands. And we pray against legalism this morning that somehow we get a legalistic message that mobile phones are wrong or that an app is wrong or a, and we don't hear the voice of our Father saying, Come aside. Switch off everything that distracts. Come and hear my voice, my voice of love, my voice of assurance, my voice of, of commitment to every child. I pray this morning we'd come running to our Father's arms. Well, I pray for deep embrace. I pray for resolution and blessing to come out of a ministry time. I pray, Lord, that we would this morning as a church seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Know that all these things. A job, a partner, a career, and money, and savings, and pay. All these things will be given to us when we seek first your kingdom. So we turn our eyes to heaven. We look up now, and we give you our full worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him.
0: Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel.